0: For Chicano, for me, the writing poetry and what it means is like we're writing it not just to create these beautiful words and stuff. It's also to rep our history and to talk about, you know, our our, our lives, because like I said, we're not represented in other things. And I don't just mean Chicanos. I mean, there's so many folks that are left out of it, you know.
1: That was Josiah Luis Adarete a poet born and raised in the mission. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. Welcome to Storied San Francisco, a weekly podcast where San Franciscans from all walks of life share their stories and you get to know your neighbors. Just a quick reminder and apologies if this is preaching to the choir, but you guys, we're still very much in a pandemic. We just wanna encourage you to keep staying at home as much as you can. And if you do need to go out, wear a mask, practice distancing from other people, and wash your hands when you get home. This resurgence of COVID-19 didn't have to happen, and we all need to be doing everything we can to ensure that we keep it under control. Okay, in this podcast, Josiah describes his childhood in the city and Marin County. He talks about moving back to San Francisco as a young adult and discovering poetry, mainly at Café Babar in the Mission. He met many inspiring poets at Babar, and some of them went on to form a poetry touring group called Molotov Mouths, which Josiah will talk about more in part two on Thursday. Here's Josiah
0: I was a uh, conceived in an apartment above El Sinaloa nightclub, uh, which for a lot of San Franciscos don't know, I am from the mission. But the original one of the original Mexican neighborhoods in San Francisco was actually in North Beach, okay. a neighborhood called Little Mexico. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my my ma uh, came over from um, Reynosa, Tamalipas uh, to work in this club called El Sinaloa, okay. because my, uh, my my Tia Lucha, who was actually a Norteña singer uh, from Mexico called La Norteñita. Okay. She got a gig working at this nightclub uh, over there. It was right off of Broadway. It was Broadway and Vallejo, I think, is the address. Okay. And uh, so she got my mom to come over, and my dad was a very suave waiter at the restaurant. So, you know, uh, apparently in no time at all, they charmed each other. And I'm, I'm making the jump that I was conceived in that apartment upstairs, but they, my mom, my tia and my ma live there, so, mm. you know, whatever, which is peculiar to me because, you know, I'm also a... a a City Lights book 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 slinger at, okay. the, at City Lights Books, which is about two blocks away from that apartment building. It's not
1: far, yeah. So in a
0: lot of ways I feel like I've come all the way home, you
1: know. Yeah, big circle.
0: Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, it's a trip. It's a trip. So that's the that's my early stages, you know, the early stages.
1: <laughs> you don't have to take us through those nine months, but I'm assuming nine months later you were born. I, yeah <laughs> I, was, I, was, I think you know apparently it was a smooth
0: birth. Uh I was baffled because on uh, my birth certificate, my my father put his uh, occupation as a captain, which I don't understand because he was a waiter. But, <laughs> but I don't know what he was thinking. But yeah, you know, uh, born and born and bred, spread throughout La Dia Bahia. Uh Grew up in the mission. Um, Where in the mission? Well, that was a, a diff- couple different spots. Uh, we lived on Twenty Fourth for a few years. Uh, my mom, and dad, sort of started getting in that love-hate relationship at that point. So there was a lot of like. Uh, breakups and get back togethers. Mm-hmm. So we basically were living up on 24th, um, almost near 24th and Bryant. Okay. My earliest memory also my mom I think had this apartment on Mission very near where the old uh old donut shop on 24th used to be, the, the Hunt's Donuts. Hunt's Donuts, yeah. So we were over there across the street from there up above. Yeah, no, that 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 place was iconic. I mean, seriously, yeah. it, re- it really was. There was yeah. a, there was, yeah. I mean, a lot of um, Roberto Lovato, who's a, a, a an amazing reporter, journalist, and he's actually coming out with a memoir um about his life in the Mission, also coming from El Salvador. Um, he talks about hunts doing this all the time. His pops like used to hold court there, you mm-hmm. know. And there's also the place where you get a lot of stolen goods and mm-hmm. you get your dope at. Hey. So they like in the front like the stolen TVs and shit in the back and yeah man that place is iconic but but that was kind of my stretch But around 24th and then my mom you know moved us to that apartment over there by hunts and and there's a couple of places in between you know but then you know the, the the funny thing is you know in my 20s I ended up moving back there I mean we moved out of the mission my mother opened up a Mexican restaurant which is still open Oh wow! And she and she opened it up in in the in the whitest 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 part of that Bay Bay Area called Marin County.
1: So um, uh, I was gonna guess Walnut Creek, but okay.
0: Oh man, that's probably close. <laughs> really close but, but um, yeah, man, she opened that there, you know. So so, probably I mean, thirteen or fourteen. That's kind of when she opened up. So I, I had a whole a whole exposure to like a, a different part of the Bay. You know, there was mm-hmm. an interesting. Uh, I don't know, contrast, because, you know, every morning I'd go to work with her, you know, and she, we, we crossed the bridge, you know, and go to a different part of the Bay that was, that was not known to me. So it was an interesting part of growing up, you know, and I worked in the kitchen with her and helped her and got to know Marin that way. And eventually she remarried. And when I was 13 or 14, we moved over to Novato for a few years, Okay, which was even more of a kind of an immersion for me. Yeah. And then when I turned 20, I moved back, back to San Francisco and, and, uh, lived up on 20th and Bryant, and then on 19th and Valencia, across from uh, the really really ugly uh, Carlos Santana mural. I don't even know if it's there anymore, but there was a there was an ugly Carlos Santana mural <laughs> over there.
1: Can we go uh, back really quickly? Because I think when you were describing when you started taking us through uh, those places that your family lived in the mission, you said something about your earliest memory. Oh yeah. What is your earliest memory? Well, my earliest memory of the mission or in life or the mission, whatever it is. Well, the funny thing is that I have a
0: very, both of them, the early mission memories are both looking out these windows. So there was where we lived on 24th and Brian, I remember looking out the window and just seeing 24th street back then. You know, and my mom was real protective. So I wasn't allowed out a lot. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like this, you know, divine, view that I had of the street, the 24th Street, uh, you know, where I just all the activity and everything and mm-hmm. being really fascinated by it, you know, and, and and I mean, for good reason, like 24th Street is, you know, we call it, we call it the, the Pueblo, mm-hmm. you know, the poets and the artists for the mission. And it mm-hmm. is, you know, it's it's like our little epicenter, like our, so, uh, you know, even back then it was, you know, I mean, the Galleria was already there and and, and mm-hmm. you know, there was still so much activity. So, yeah, man, it was a very special early memory of the mission. And then same thing with the, with the apartment above. Um, I'm trying to think if it was above Discolandia, or because so, there used to be like a record store across from Hunt's Donuts. But that was the view. For, you know, that I remember as a kid looking down on Mission Street, and that was a little bit of a different view. It wasn't. It wasn't as. It was still that was that one kind of gave me a little pause. Like you know, what's some of those folks doing over on the corner? <laughs> you know, like wait a minute, hold up. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't as sweet as, as twenty-fourth, but
1: right. It's still sweet. So like your the, those early years would have been like the set early seventies then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then or sorry, early eighties maybe.
0: Well, pretty set. I mean, I was like seven or eight. I think that, that those memories, I was probably seven or eight. Like, okay. Maybe even a little earlier. You
1: know? Were were folks already doing Dia de los Muertos on the March oh, yeah. on yeah, the procession? Got... Okay. Do you yeah. remember any of those? Like from... not
0: really, you know, because um no, I mean my, my the, the Dia dos Muertos processions memories are mostly in my twenties, you know, going going down to 24th before, the, before Renee, uh before because they had the big split for yeah, it got kind of weird. You know, because Renee Yanis, uh one of the founders of the galeria, he went through a, an issue with 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 Dia dos Muertos where the procession they they actually started it and then there was kind of like a rupture where they they sort of did two of them. Mm. So that that was uh I'm trying to remember date-wise with that but I I can't
1: yeah yeah my earliest Los Muertos memory was definitely was like 20s and 30s what was it that brought you back to San Francisco as Um, you you said around your around 20 right
0: yeah well it was definitely to get the hell out of Marin because I you know my 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 mom remarried for it was been like three years and I'd had you know I was like oh gee you know it was that and then um just, you know, missing that neighborhood. I mean, it's like, it, it's a tough, uh, Jones, man. We moved basically from La Mission to like a suburb in Marin, you know, and I get it because my mom, you know, the, re- the remarrying thing and all that, but it was, it was, it was tough. So, uh, I wanted to get back as, as soon as possible. Um, and then, you know, and th- not, not to talk too shittily about Marin County, you know, but cause I went there every day anyway, because I would go work with my mom. So every day crossed cross the bridge so I figure, you know, I'm still going over there. I don't have to live there, but, you know, and moving in, in in the, and also, you know, I, this part in my life that had a huge influence on me and in a lot of ways on my return to the mission was, I was, I think it was 88 or 89, um, me and my friends found a place called Cafe Babar in the okay. mission, which was on Guerrero and twenty third, something like that. Okay. It was a cafe. Um and that was where I first saw poetry the way it was supposed to be done. You know what I'm and saying? Was that like, like
1: ad- a, a what, was it an accident it that you Thursday saw that
0: well, they did these readings every Thursday night at Cafe Babar and Babar was like this cafe had a cafe in the front and this really long hallway that led to this tiny room in the back. And in the back room, there was a a little room with some bleachers and one or two tables and then a wall that had some corrugated metal against it. Mm -hmm. And that's where they had the readings. And um, this place, man, it was like where I saw uh, the the, the mission, you know, the mission has always had, I mean, I know North Beach gets that rep for being the literary heart of the mission, but honestly, bro, that's bullshit. I mean, the literary heart of San Francisco, Mm -hmm. you know what the the North Beach had the influx of the beats and whatnot but the mission has had like that literary essence from the beginning and, and not even just like in the 80s with um that sort of like the poets coming in from Nicaragua and Salvador and hanging out at, at, at Cafe Bohem you know and Alejandro Morgia and all that I mean that the mission has been like deep with, with the cultura I mean Oscar Zeta Costa was up on Valencia writing you know autobiography of Brown Buffalo and roll to the mm-hmm. cockroach people and mm-hmm. Valencia street had like six bookstores at one time, you know, so, you know, it, it, it was that place. So, so Babar was very essential because that's where a lot of these poets, they, they actually call themselves barbarians. But okay. There was this beautiful mix of poets that were like, you know, black Chicano, uh, white weirdos, hippies, militants. It was like a uh, Bucky sinister was there. Julia oh. Vinaigrad, uh, David Lerner, Juan Felipe Herrera would stop by, uh, the great poet Q.R. Hand, who's still with us, mm-hmm. um, Alfonso Textador, Jack Michelin, um, you know, J- Julia Vinograd, uh, and Paz Descanse, Julia. Um, you know, so so we went there one night and, and I, I found this book at City Lights um, by Bruce Isaacson. And it said, you know, Bruce reads at this cafe every Thursday night. We're like, fuck it, we'll go there. And I was just blown away, man. These folks were, you know, Cause when you go to school, you get, you get, you almost, you go to these schools and you get almost uh, discouraged from poetry. You almost got to relearn it, you know, when you mm-hmm. go out there and these folks were just speaking it, and they were talking about the neighborhood and, you know, the real shit. And I, I left that place, man, just like floored. And it was a big part of like, all of a sudden there was this other beacon in the mission that I, that I needed to get to and needed to be around. So that was a big part of me moving back. And, you know, it, it's funny cause Babar, I don't know where the hell this giant sack of peanuts would always come from, but it would be there in that room every Thursday night. And the deal was, the poet would go up to read, and if you didn't like the poet's shit, you start throwing peanuts against the corrugated metal wall. Like you give them a couple minutes, and then you know, which is not the norm these days in these very supportive poetry events where everyone's like, no matter what, forget your poem. Yeah, it's okay. You know, like, and I love that shit. I think it's beautiful, but. Yeah, this was like a, a trial by fire, you know. So I remember, you know, it took me like a month and a half to get the werewolves to go up there. But then when I yeah. finally did, man, I remember right before I went up, I asked this one beautiful poet, man. He was a, it's the first queer poet I ever heard read, named uh, David West. He's a beautiful man. I think he's still alive in the city. He wrote uh, "Evil Secretaries" and other stories. Was, I think it was his first book of poems. But mm-hmm. I loved hearing him read, man. He would just tell these wonderful, beautiful stories. And um, right before I went over this. I was supposed to get up and read, I said, I went over to him, I said, because in a lot of ways, he was like the nicest guy there, you know, he <laughs> was like, everybody else is kind of scared the hell out of me, I said, David, I, I want you to tell me what you think, you know, so he said, okay, and, and I went up there, and I was so scared, man, and at one point, I, I just glanced over at David, and I saw him, and his arms are crossed, and, and he was smiling, and he, and with his eyes closed, he was going like this, you know, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I'm all right, then, okay, he's I'm all right, he's feeling I'm it. Always- yeah, and no one's gonna throw peanuts at me. So. <laughs> I was <laughs> gonna me, say yeah. that's almost
1: that's almost like a literal peanut gallery, right? Oh, there was a literal peanut gallery. <laughs> it was. Um I was gonna ask quickly, um, so that going back to that first time you went to Cafe Babar, Bar. Yeah, did you already have like a um like were you already kind of drawn to poetry or I was I, I was, you know, I I I, I sort of it was
0: the one thing that i'd sort of always kept with me because I, I i wrote i just never knew they were poems you know when i was really young i started writing you know when i finish uh, the shift between dinner and lunch at my ma's place i would get tips and i, I ended up walking up on fourth street in san rafael back in the day there was also a, the street that had amazing bookstores there was like a cottage bookshop uh three or four other bookstores. And there was this newsstand called Rafael Book of News that was open from six in the morning to 11 at night. Okay. And it was an old school East Coast kind of newsstand, like right in the middle of 4th Street. Right. So they had like comic books in the back, like pulp sci-fi novels, like uh, other pa- romance paperbacks, you know, and then in the front, right behind the registers, like the most filthiest, dirtiest porn you could ever sure. see mm-hmm. Everything, you know. <laughs> so I would go there and start poking around and I, I discovered, you know, literature of a sort's, there and and so I was always I always had books and writing around me um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah but but the yeah, the poetry man it was always there yeah.
1: you had mentioned um like uh, poetry being taught or poetry in the classroom versus actually doing poetry writing it performing it did you did you have any did, like did you ever take poetry classes or no
0: no I, for me like like I said
1: I mean and I know it's probably changed a lot now, um
0: you know. But but I think a lot of that stuff of the poetry that you learn in school, it's like you almost have to unlearn to enjoy it. Cause like I'm a, I'm a Chicano, bro. I didn't see any brown poets in, in right. school. I, right. I I saw some fucking Western canon shit that's supposed to like straighten us out and keep us flying right and stuff. You know what I mean? And it's like a deterrent. So there was nothing there for me. I, I was like, right. what the fuck is this? You know? Yeah. So I had to read Jimmy Santiago Baca the first time, you know, to really mm-hmm. go like. But when you, there's nothing more powerful, man, than seeing yourself reflected in literature, seeing yourself, your cultura, who you are, you know, I'm not just talking the skin tone. I'm talking like, you know, when you see that, that's profound. And that, Absolutely. So when, when I had that happen to me, you know, it was like, so and I never took, I, I, I mean, n- nowadays when I see the professors that are out there, like professor Barbara Jane Reyes, you know, amazing Filipinx teacher, poet, or, Ben Baxiera in San Francisco, you know, Chicano old school poet wrote the Alex Nieto story, you know, I would be proud and I would love to take classes with them. But back then, maybe I was too lazy or something, but they just weren't around. I didn't see him. So I had to unlearn all that stuff. And I, no, I never took poetry classes. I, honestly, my poetry teachings was at the bar. That was my first lesson. You know, my first
1: yeah, lesson. and I was going to say, I mean probably better for you, right? To learn that stuff firsthand and, and to be exposed to it. And, and like you said, especially to identify with it, to make a connection.
0: Yeah, because that that was what really shook me is, is, you know, like, I remember Alfonso Textador, you know, reading a poem about 24th Street, you know, I had bar, version going like, me going, wait a minute, you just wrote a poem about this street that I love, that like is part of my life. That's like, I, 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 oh my God, you know, mm-hmm. so yeah, it was profound, it was a profound effect
1: can we talk real fast about the, the the story that you just told about um david West and, get it, and you reading and all that was that your first reading or or if not can we talk about the, you know, the oh, first yeah. time you well, read I
0: mean, and I, I wouldn't even call it a reading it was me reading one poem you know <laughs> so yeah yeah but that was my first time that was
1: your first time okay
0: kind of a big thing again. I again i never thought about that but it was because we didn't you know yeah it was just straight in there you know and that was um and that ended up connecting me with, like, um, there used to be a bar called uh, The Paradise Lounge, south of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, an amazing bar with, like, all these different floors and levels. Yep. and But they would do poetry readings there that were run by uh, Jen Joseph, who's the editor of Nomadic Press. Mm-hmm. This amazing press in the city who's responsible for publishing so many Bay Area writers and San Francisco writers. And But uh, she ran that press, and then she saw me um, reading at the bar one night, and because I, I went back, I would go back afterwards and, periodically get enough nerve to read another poem mm-hmm. she asked me to read there and that was where I ended up meeting a lot of the kind of my poetry comrades from the na- early 90s um people that we ended, ended up uh, forming a group called Molotov Miles and going all over the U.S. like reading poetry oh wow in the city and stuff but yeah but that the, the the bar was like my first my first reading
1: <laughs> yeah so the first time you went from that those nerves and you gotta just muster it and then you do it. And like you, like you said, like you got that reaction from David, but also just the high of doing any performative, right? Like you're always oh. nervous beforehand and then you do it. And it it's I feel like it starts as you're doing it. It starts during the where you just it's like that adrenaline and it just it just fucking oh, right yeah no and then you're dying and you're like, ah! <laughs> like yeah so would you say you knew that night you're like this is something i want to do
0: oh yeah no without a doubt man. like a I mean, calling my, without a doubt yeah that was my i mean
1: but in that way i don't know it's like i
0: for a chicano for me the writing poetry and what it means is like we're writing it not just to create these beautiful words and stuff. It's also to rep our history and to talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, our, our, our lives, because like I said, we're not represented in other things. And I don't just mean Chicanos. I mean, there's so many folks that are left out of it, you know, but for me, so like the, the writing uh, that meant, it meant a lot of other things. And I knew, I knew even back then, like I I said, like, I'm be a poet, but it's not like, I know I'm not going to get rich off of this shit, or I'm -hmm. not going to, it's not, it's not a, a thing I'm doing to, to make money or obviously cause you're not going to make money, but <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of other reasons that I knew even at that early age, why I was writing, you know, and a lot of that had to do with some some of those folks and what I saw them writing for the first time. So, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's, it, yeah, man, it's like the, the role of the poet is, it, it, it's, is a very, it's, there's layers to it, you know? I mean, if it wasn't for poets, for me, I wouldn't know half of my history, you know, they're the right. ones who told it to me, not the academics or like, you know, so, I also knew that I was, I was, if I was going to call myself a poet, you know, I, I better live up to that shit in that right. way, you know, so. Right.
1: Um, I think I, right. I currently on my mind, I have, I have two questions. So I'll let you take your choice. I want to hear a little bit about that, that group that you guys formed and, and toured and stuff, but I'm also curious. Uh, so we're talking like late eighties, early nineties and cafe, babar, bar and you move back. Um, I'm I'm curious whether like you were friends with or like ran with other types of artists, writers, musicians, uh, you know, dancers, anything like that. So either if, if you could talk about either that or that the group where you where you toured and yeah. whichever one you don't answer, we'll get back to that.
0: Yeah, well, we, um, it was interesting. Early on, I think it was mostly like the I was mostly writers and artists. You know, we would come across folks who did other, had other disciplines and I knew about other folks, you know, who influenced me a lot. Um, I specifically think of like, um, uh, Guillermo Gomez Pena, mm-hmm. he's the, uh, uh, he's a, calls himself a border artist sometimes, but he's like, a, uh, he's been in the city for years, but he was part of, the, he's, he has a group called La, La Pocha Nostra. He's also uh, known as the Exterminator. <laughs> He's just this amazing uh, performance artist, like, I don't know what you call him, poetic terrorist man, but he was around early back then. And so I, I always followed him and admired him a lot. And I think some of the performative aspects of what he does sort of came across and influenced me a lot. Mm-hmm. So I never had, it. years later, I actually ended up taking a workshop with him um, at Fort Mason, which was a big deal. And Big fanboy moment for me. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, back then I didn't know him. I, there were there were hit, the folks like him, you know, and there were other folks that I admired, but I, I didn't really interact with. They were more like influences. Also like like the muralists, you know, back like Enrique Chayoga, like folks like that, like a lot of folks at the Galleria Raza. So it was people that, those different artistic elements were there and they were like interacting with me, but I didn't interact so much with the artists or the create, more than just the creations, you know.
1: Got it. And where, I guess, related to that, were you at least, like, not necessarily friends with, which I guess is how I framed it, but, you know, uh, like, what other kinds of um, venues were you going to see poetry or to see music or to see yeah. other types of art? Well, well
0: the, you know, the amazing thing about that is, um, man, like, the mission, okay, Valencia Street back then, Man. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you for picking up what I Street. And um from 16th Street to 24th, there was like appliance shops and an occasional peculiar store. There was Leather Tongue Video, which was an amazing mm-hmm. weird video store. Um, mm-hmm. But on Valencia, between 16th and 24th, there was like five bookstores. There was a uh, the green something on 16th. There was um a, the original Adobe Books was on 16th. Right. There was Abandoned Planet, which was, like, right two, two down from a check-cashing place. You mm-hmm. kept going. There was um, the original gigantic Modern Times bookstore, which was mm-hmm. right across the street from where Dog-Eared Books is now. Yep. That giant, like, it's like a art deco, like, furniture rental thing. That was, was one big, beautiful bookstore, man.
1: Between Dog-Eared and, and Borderlands, was right? Was that? Between Borderlands and Dog-Eared was Modern Times, yep.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah. And, then acro- and then right across from where dog is now, there was a, the only Spanish language bookstore in the Mission called Casa de Libros. Mm-hmm. That was mm-hmm. there too. And then all the way down was the uh, where dog Books used to be. And then there was Mission Comics farther down. So these places all at one time or another would host readings. Right. And the Chameleon Bar, which was in the parking lot right across the street from um, where Modern Times used to be, and Bucky Sinister would host these punk rock readings there that were just insane and amazing. Bucky had a huge influence on me in the beginning, man. That that really? He's a sweetheart and just, man, him leaving San Francisco was hard, bro. Because for me, there's some poets and artists that rep the city so hard that when they leave, you're like, man, you just took a piece of this place with you.
1: Mm-hmm. He
0: him in the early, in the early nineties and in the poetry scene, there was nobody else like him because he would, he was one of them cats that could, go from the different cliques, the different right. poetry clicks, and every, everyone loved him. Like, at Bobar, like, like, some of them, like, I, I, I may have given the impression that some of these people were a little intimidating, and they were, <laughs> but, like, for some reason, they all loved Bucky, and he was, like, half their age. So, like, right. he was just this, like, they, they just loved him. And, um, yeah. God, he was, he's such a sweetheart.
1: That was Josiah Luis Atleti. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, Josiah will tell us more about Molotov Mouths, and he'll read some of his poetry. Part two drops this Thursday, so don't miss it. I want to thank Cassandra Dalit for introducing us to Josiah. Cassandra was our guest back in episode one this season. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years. And you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy.